Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. I want to congratulate Chairman Jamie Comer and the Republicans on what they accomplished. The message, the indelible words they sent to America on the first day of their hearings about Twitter. Would you like me to give the direct quote? Yeah. Um, please excuse my language. This is a direct quote. But Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy ass bitch. Thank you, Congressman Comer and Congressman Jordan and Speaker McCarthy and everybody else for getting that accurate characterization of Donald Trump into the congressional record at your own hearing. I, in fact, would like to associate myself with the witnesses' remarks. That's exactly what Trump is. Wait, uh, what was it again? Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy ass bitch. But of course, it's more than the Republican success in giving that tweet its own congressional hearing. Between the new speaker unsuccessfully trying to shush his own human garbage like Boebert and Green and the others from yelling and then getting owned by the president during the State of the Union address and the Twitter hearing about, you know, and the Social Security cutting debate, Kevin McCarthy and members of the Oversight Committee and other Republican congressmen and senators have now presided over what might have been the biggest string of self-inflicted humiliations for one party in a 36-hour span in the history of the legislative branch. Let's start at that Twitter Hunter Biden laptop hearing, or what was supposed to be the Twitter Hunter Biden laptop hearing. 
I want to congratulate Chairman Comer on revealing to the American public how the government of the United States really did try to censor Twitter and get it to delete material at the direct instructions of President Trump. According to notes from a conversation with you, Ms. Navarro's counsel, your counsel, the White House almost immediately thereafter contacted Twitter to demand the tweet be taken down. Is that accurate? Thank you for the question. In my role, I was not responsible for receiving any sort of request from the government. However, what I was privy to was my supervisors letting us know that we had received something along those lines or something of a request. That's Representative Jerry Connolly of Massachusetts, who also pointed out that from the White House, Trump said Twitter had totally silenced conservatives, so he was ready to shut Twitter down. On May 27th, 2020, President Donald J. Trump tweeted, and I quote, Republicans feel that social media platforms totally silence conservatives. By the way, something that would come as news to you, apparently, Mr. Roth, because you're still the subject of conservative harassment. We will strongly regulate, he went on to say, or close them down before we ever allow this to happen, unquote. Ms. Navaroli, doesn't that sound eerily like a government official telling Twitter that there's a threat will shut you down if we don't like the content? Day one for the Republicans' long-anticipated, even in some quarters, feared hearings into Twitter and and communism and the First Amendment and censorship and uh, Hunter Biden had a laptop and pants and the weaponization of weapons. And, and, and guess what? For Jamie Comer and company, the lights were on, but no one was home until the lights went off. On June 3rd, 2018, the Iranian Ayatollah Khomeini. Now, did Twitter do that? Did Twitter do that? Turn the lights off? I'm beginning to think Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Trader Greene may not be the dumbest Republicans in Congress after all. Jim Jordan had to admit that the First Amendment does not apply to a private company's editorial policies. Paul Gozar in the throes of something that made him literally so unintelligible that four different witnesses asked him to repeat his question. Jamie Comer had to listen to Twitter executives explain, no, they actually did have to kill tweets that had revenge porn nude photos in them, even if they were of Hunter Biden. Just about the only thing that did not happen to the Republicans in this long, painful backfire was Comer's college girlfriend coming in to testify about her claims that he beat her. Plus, we are always going to be left with these words to live by. Donald Trump as a pussy ass bitch. I think I am speaking for a lot of us when I say there was a certain fear that the new McCarthyism of Kevin McCarthy and Jamie Comer and Jim Jordan might do more than just provide grist for the fascist mill and sound bites for the Tucker Carlson show, that it might, like the House on american Activities Committee of the 40s and 50s, or even the Benghazi investigations, actually do some damage to Democrats and liberals in government and out. Yeah, maybe not. If you missed it, 
the Republican talking point about the State of the Union both Tuesday night and all day yesterday was how President Biden supposedly lied about the GOP stance on gutting Social Security and Medicare. I even saw a liberal writer say that Kevin McCarthy had made it clear that those were now third rail issues and they would not be part of the financial crisis the Republicans intend to force, as usual, about raising the debt ceiling. But Biden was not talking just about raising the debt ceiling. He was talking about the repeated, forceful, widespread, spoken, tweeted, written, prayed to promises by Republicans that they would cut, gut, alter, and privatize Social Security and Medicare. So the Republicans spent a night and a day denying something very specific and very small while the White House and the Democrats circulated all the sound bites and all the quotes and all the tweets confirming that Biden was right, that Republican after Republican has insisted on cutting or altering Social Security and Medicare. And as he answered their childish catcalls during the State of the Union, he baited them into their, as he put it, conversion to defending both programs. And then he baited them again about lying about what large numbers of them have said on the record. And yesterday in Wisconsin, Biden went further. He named names. He held up a copy of Senator Rick Scott of Florida's Rescue America plan in which Social Security and Medicare would not just be cut. They would sunset. They would automatically stop every five years unless Congress voted them back into existence. Biden also held up printouts from Wisconsin's own and, of course, Russia's own Ron Johnson saying sunset every five years. That's outrageous. We need to sunset it every year. Another sitting senator, Mike Lee, on tape saying it was his object to phase out Social Security, to pull it out by the roots. Lindsey Graham wanting the age of eligibility to go up and the payouts to go down. Steve Scalise proposing All of it, privatizing, delaying, cutting, and ineligibility if you earned too much in your lifetime. And just a week ago today, the last Republican vice president of the United States did not just call for cutting Social Security. He said he wanted to privatize it so that the money could go into the stock market and the banking industry. And he didn't mention this part. So all his donors can get a cut of the money you paid into Social Security. Other Republicans who have called for cutbacks or cutouts or privatizations, Senator Marco Rubio, Senator John Thune, Congressman Jim Banks, Congressman Michael Waltz, Senate nominee Blake Masters, Senator Tom Tillis, Congressman Jody Arrington, Congressman Buddy Carter, and Congressman Lloyd Smucker. And Congressman Jason Smith, and last November, then Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, and presidential candidate Barry Goldwater, and presidential candidate Ronald Reagan, and President George W. Bush. But that's it. Only them. Oh, and and the members of the Republican Study Committee. Just a few Republican congressmen. 157 of them. As if it could somehow have gotten worse for the Republicans, it did yesterday. There were two groups who spent the day bitching and moaning about what Joe Biden had said about them on Tuesday night in the State of the Union, or as the Republicans view it, the night of the massive butt hurt. One of them was the Republican Party, and the other complainant was the Foreign Ministry of the People's Republic of China. The Associated Press headline, China says it was smeared in Biden's State of the Union speech. The Republicans arm-in-arm with the Chinese communists. 
And if that were not punchline enough, the punchline of all punchlines for all time, the Chinese statement was made by foreign ministry spokesman Mao Ning. Joe Biden under attack by Speaker McCarthy and Spokesman Mao. Not enough rakes to go around the Republican Party. Spokesman Mao. Still ahead, why has the ironically named Project Veritas ousted little Jimmy O'Keefe? Maybe something to do with a stolen diary, maybe? Is Twitter back up for you? Instagram, Facebook, Google, AWS, your McDonald's app, YouTube? How about Pokemon Go? Were you denied Pokemon Go during the big app out of 2023? The National Hypocrisy League rides again. A team says it's not going to wear Pride Night uniforms because it never chooses to wear such special uniforms itself. It only wears them when the league demands it, like on Military Appreciation Night or St. Patrick's Day. The league demands you wear a special uniform on St. Patrick's Day. My ass. And a regular listener has now asked me how many times somebody has tried to get me fired. Anybody he means, presidents, ball players, sports characters. Well, let me tell you this, no man can count that high. But once an entire Major League Baseball franchise got me fired from a job I had not even started yet. Things I promise not to tell, that's next. This is Countdown. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, man, the National Hockey League just keeps digging. First, the Philadelphia Flyers applauded one of their players who refused to participate in Pride Night, even just to the extent of wearing a pregame warm-up shirt with his number in rainbow colors rather than the usual white. Then, with the crowd already in the stands for their seventh Pride Night, the New York Rangers abandoned their pregame Pride warm-up shirts and didn't explain why. Then the commissioner of the league, Gary Bettman, said the NHL had to be safe for all diversity, so the Russian players, whose Russian Orthodox religion advocates, you know, attacking Ukraine because Ukraine has Pride parades, their hatred and homophobia is prioritized by the National Hypocrisy League over the LGBTQ community that the NHL always boasts about serving with its obviously meaningless and rather cynical merchandising effort. Hockey is for everyone unless you happen to offend some Russian Orthodox church member. Now, the NHL's New York Islanders confirm they will hold their Pride Night this evening, but they will again not wear any special warm-up uniforms. The team says it has never worn them, and in fact it has an organizational policy against wearing any specialized warm-ups. The Islanders say they do wear specialized warm-ups on Hockey Fights Cancer Night and Hockey Military Night and St. Patrick's Day, but only because the National Hockey League makes them. Those are league-wide initiatives. The NHL makes the New York Islanders wear St. Patrick's Day uniforms and military night uniforms, but its teams are now reneging on Pride Night. And as if the NHL needed another problem, last night was Black History Month night at Madison Square Garden and the New York Rangers wore special warm-ups and had great ceremonies, all good. And then their TV reporter, Michelle Gingras, announced that they would be auctioned off, the uniforms would, with proceeds going to the, quote, United Negro Fund. It would be the United Negro College Fund, which I, I guess she's never heard of since it's only been operating since 1944. A lighter note from hockey, unless you happen to be the owner of the Vermilion County Bobcats of the Southern Professional Hockey League, Vermilion County, that is Danville, Illinois, was hosting the visiting Quad City Storm, and at the scheduled puck drop time, the road team was on the ice and warming up, and the fans were at the rink, and the home team was nowhere to be found. After a brief wait, the referees declared the visiting team, the Storm, as winners by forfeit. And their players were gracious enough to invite the Vermilion County fans to join them on the ice for a group skate. What happened to the Vermilion County Bobcats? For some reason, the thought is they're about to go out of business, possibly because in their nearly two seasons of existence in that league, the Bobcats have played 86 games and lost 77 of them. And yet somebody else always has it worse. Last night's basketball game, Vermont at Maine, delayed because Maine put its basketball court in wrong. 
You heard me. A lot of the wooden panels that make up the court were installed incorrectly, kind of not backwards per se, but the left side went where the right side should be. And as a result, the baseline under the basket looked not like the straight line it was supposed to be, but rather like a dotted line on a rural highway. It took about 80 minutes to fix. And now the question becomes, how in the hell did this happen in the first place? Time now for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze. Twitter. It went down yesterday. First, it was direct messages. Then any attempt to tweet was greeted by a message that said you couldn't or you couldn't because you had already tweeted once too often today. And while users rightly fumed, it appears it was hardly just Twitter. And for once... It wasn't Elmo's fault. There were outages at or at about the same time. Instagram, Facebook, Fox News, TweetDeck, RuneScape. RuneScape? For Rune Arledge fans? Facebook Messenger, Google, AWS, the McDonald's app, YouTube, and Pokemon Go. The big app out of 2023. No explanation, lots of speculation. Our runner-up, James O'Keefe, the Lee Harvey Oswald lookalike, who runs the Dirty Tricks Gang, sarcastically titled Project Veritas, or he did, until yesterday when O'Keefe suddenly went on paid leave pending a board hearing Friday. No official explanation from the group for the not-very-successful provocateur's departure, but New York Magazine reports that, quote, internal turmoil, lawsuits from former employees, leaks about its internal workings, and a federal investigation into its conduct in purchasing a diary stolen from Ashley Biden, the president's daughter, may have played a part, including the health of the organization, the firing of two executives by O'Keefe, who were then reinstated. The Daily Beast says at one point O'Keefe took away a sandwich he wanted from a pregnant woman who worked there. Maybe it was that, or maybe like the rest of us, they just don't like him. But the winners, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida and the chairperson of the Board of Education of Duval County, Florida, Dr. Kelly Coker. Duval, that's Jacksonville. More than a year ago, Dr. Coker's board removed several dozen books from classrooms for, quote, review. Nothing has been heard from these books since. Turns out among the titles deemed dangerous enough that kids have not been able to see them for the last year, Henry Aaron's Dream, Roberto Clemente, Pride of the Pittsburgh Pirates, Unstoppable, How Jim Thorpe and the Carlisle Indian School football team defeated Army, one of the Berenstain Bears books, and most stunning of all, another book called The Hero Two Doors Down, based on the true story of friendship between a boy and a baseball legend. The book is about Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson, whose first game in the uniform of an integrated team in spring training of 1946, when he broke the color barrier in major sports in this country, took place in Daytona Beach, Florida. Oh, and and the book that Duval County, Florida banned about Jackie Robinson, it was written by Sharon Robinson, Jackie's daughter. Florida dictator Ron DeSantis and his educational Ava Braun, Duval County Board of Education chairperson Dr. Kelly Let's Ban Books About Integrating Baseball, Coker. Today's 
worst persons in the world! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Still ahead on Countdown, a regular listener followed up on a joke I made yesterday, and he asked, how many people have tried to get you fired? That made me think of the time a Major League Baseball team got me fired from baseball's own network before I even started on the job they had just offered to me. Coming up on Things I Promise Not to Tell. First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need. You can help every dog has its day. Back to New York. This time, Second Chance Rescue in Queens has a terrible story, hopefully with a good outcome. Somebody moved and left their three dogs abandoned on the property. Were that not bad enough, somehow one of the dogs, a girl named Gemma, looks like a cross between a shepherd and a husky, maybe even a Malamute, had a tail injury so severe she was bleeding to death. Second Chance picked her up, is now running a fundraiser for her on Giving Grid. If you can donate, you can find Gemma on Giving Grid or on my Twitter feed, and your retweets will also help her greatly. I thank you, and of course, Gemma thanks you. Owners of at least five different Major League Baseball teams have tried to get me fired over the years, and one, the New York Yankees, kind of succeeded. 
On November 26, 2012, my agent followed the instructions of Tony Petiti, then the president of the TV publicity channel owned by Major League Baseball, MLB Network, and called Petiti to finalize a deal by which I would join the channel to do a daily show, probably at 5.30 at night. It was going to be weird. MLB Network and its sister hockey channel, NHL Network, originate in the same studios in Secaucus, New Jersey, that MSNBC used every day from the day I started there in October 1997 through the day in October 2007 when NBC finally moved us to New York City. I had been asked to do something for MLB Network in 2008 and 2009 before it ever got on the air. The request came directly from the then commissioner of baseball, Bud Selig. He also asked me to write for baseball's website, MLB.com. We actually got that done, but the TV show was impossible because of my schedule until I was a free agent in the fall of 2012. So I was invited in the fall of 2012 to do a couple of guest appearances at MLB Network, and they went well, except for this crazy deja vu kind of thing that hit me when I went into the building and found that while baseball had spent $60 million to upgrade all the technical stuff and the studio designs, they had not touched anything else from the MSNBC era. The carpet tiles were the same. The ping pong table in the break room was the same. The signs on the back of the bathroom door telling you who to call if the John overflows were the same. It was like having a dream where you're back in your childhood home and everything is exactly the way it was, including the creaks and the floorboards, except, oh, by the way, there's a nuclear reactor in the middle of your den and you keep saying, where did that come from? Anyway, the guest appearances on MLB Network went well, and this guy, Petiti, the president, asked if I would fill in for two days on their new morning show the week of Thanksgiving 2012. I certainly knew how to get to the building. I did the shows with Brian Kenny and Ken Rosenthal and Bob Costas's son, Keith, and Alana Rizzo, and we had a good time. And Tony Petiti, the president of MLB Network, attended the meetings that we would have before and after each show. I mean, full staff meetings, 15 or so people standing around a bunch of cubicles. And in front of all of them, Tony Petiti began asking me if I thought my new show for MLB Network would do better at 5 or 5.30. And if I agreed with him that I should work only during the baseball season and spring training and playoffs and winter meetings and then stay fresh by taking the rest of the year off. He asked me if there were people on the staff of the morning show who I would like to work with. I mean, this is in front of all of the staff of the morning show. He warned me they couldn't pay me the kind of salary I was used to, and I said that happily the kind of salary I was used to meant I did not need the kind of salary I was used to. He told me to remind my agent to call him the Monday after Thanksgiving. He wished me a happy turkey, and everybody left, and everybody heard his plans, and a couple of the producers asked me if I was recommending them to be on my new show on MLB Network. So how come I don't have a new show on MLB Network, or how come we're not celebrating the 10th anniversary of my new show on MLB Network? Well... On Monday afternoon, my agent calls me and says he's just gotten off the phone with Tony Petiti, and it was the strangest conversation he had had since he became an agent. No, let me rephrase that, he said, because it wasn't a conversation. It was an attempted conversation. I kept asking him what he told me to call him about, and he would then say, nothing. Initially, I did not understand. What do you mean he said nothing? My agent said he meant literally that. I say, so Tony, what's your offer to Keith? And then there was silence. 
And I thought the phone call had dropped out. So I said, Tony, are you there? And he say, sure am. So again, I ask him, you know, what's your offer to Keith? And again, literally silence. Only this time I can hear him breathing. I tried like 10 different ways. Are we talking about Keith now? Silence. Is there a reason you're being silent about Keith, Tony? Silence. If I changed the subject, talked about somebody else, he was his normal self. If I mentioned your name, he went silent. The next day, the agent calls me back. Petiti just did this again with me on the phone. He wouldn't speak, literally wouldn't say any words in any language if I mentioned your name. Took me a long time to find out what had actually happened. The next baseball season, after I'd gone back to work at ESPN, I'm at a game. There's one of the MLB network officials whom I'd met on my two days before Thanksgiving 2012, and this person comes up to me and apologizes. We all heard what happened. It's so embarrassing. Petiti is such a coward. The Yankees got to him. And another club. I never found out which one. There was some kind of conference call a Monday after Thanksgiving to tell the teams about your new show, and whoever was on the call for the Yankees went ballistic. They said something like, if you put him on MLB Network, we will disable your cameras at Yankee Stadium and never let any of you inside the building again. Instantly, I knew why the Yankees would have done that. I was, and my father before me, a season ticket holder for 42 years for Yankee games. And for 10 of those years, I was also one of the two announcers who did a kind of play-by-play over the public address system at Yankee Stadium on Old Timers Day. And then one day in 2011, I tweeted a photo of a Yankee employee in the stands giving some sort of hand signals to Alex Rodriguez in the on-deck circle. The guy was clearly telling Alex Rodriguez what the last pitch had been. It wasn't cheating. It was helping a supposed superstar who apparently could not figure out for himself from on the field what the last pitch had been. I tweeted the photo. Major League Baseball called the Yankees and told them to cut it out. The Yankees and A-Rod looked stupid in the newspapers. And the Yankees management said they were not mad at me. And then three months later, days before Old Timers Day, they leaked to the papers that I had been fired as Old Timers Day play-by-play man because I had tweeted that photo of Alex Rodriguez and the guy in the stands. So... Rather naturally, my response was to not renew my season tickets, and my tickets were right behind home plate, and they cost like $400,000 a year, and relax. I gave about 70% of them to make a wish. But the Yankees, being the Yankees, were furious that I would not give them $400,000 a year anyway, so they told MLB Network if MLB Network gave me a show, they would unplug MLB Network's cameras. Actually, they did more than that. I asked my friend, the MLB Network official, the real puzzler of the saga, why this MLB Network president, Tony Petiti, literally would not speak, would not say anything, not even deals off to my agent. Oh, the official said, the Yankees were specific about that. If you say anything to him or his people, we will get you fired. So Petiti took it literally. He said, if you called or your agent called to just give you the silent treatment, These are adults, mind you, and they say that on-air talent are the prima donnas. As I said, the Yankees are the closest of five different teams who tried to have actually gotten me fired, sort of. 
When I was in local news in Los Angeles, Jackie Autry, the woman who went from being Gene Autry's banker to being his second wife, tried to get me fired from my station in L.A. because I had criticized their team, the California Angels. She tried again a few years later after I got to ESPN. Then there were the Tampa Bay Rays, well, the Devil Rays at that point, whose first owner, Vince Namoli, was convinced I had a vendetta against his team and was making up stories about them that were accidentally true. He could not conceive that somebody in his organization who he paid actually hated him so much that this person called me up and volunteered to feed me anything bad that went on there. But that is exactly what happened. So that's the Yankees, the Angels, and the Rays. And there's a mystery fifth team that was also involved in the MLB Network thing. And then there were the Chicago White Sox. One of their co-owners, Eddie Einhorn, was a big fan of mine, but for 44 years. The team has been run by the other co-owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. And Jerry Reinsdorf was one of the key figures in the strike that killed the 1994 baseball season. During that terrible winter that followed, my sources in the Baseball Players Association showed me a copy of their offer to the owners. The owners were led by Reinsdorf. And in the players' offer, they were willing to actually negotiate one of the players' union's sacred cows, salary arbitration. They were willing to cut it or maybe eliminate it outright. But after complaining about salary arbitration for 20 years, the owners' committee, led by this Reinsdorf idiot, turned the players down. Apparently, most of the owners did not know that Reinsdorf had passed on a chance to eliminate salary arbitration, a kind of automatic inflation thing within baseball contracts. And they came down on Reinsdorf like a ton of bricks. What do you mean you turned down the chance to stop salary arbitration? So naturally, he blamed me. And he called up ESPN and he demanded they fire me, which to their credit, they never did do. Revenge is a dish which people of taste prefer to eat cold, goes the old Italian proverb. Reinsdorf is today despised within baseball. He has once again ruined the Chicago White Sox. The Tampa Bay Rays owner, Namoli, sold the team, unknowingly obviously, to a man named Stuart Sternberg, who turned out to be married to a friend of mine from college, so whenever the Rays would come into New York, I would sit with Stu and his wife Lisa in their box. Their eldest son interned for me. MLB Network, which started out pretty good, is now just a propaganda machine in which every team is unbeaten and every player is the greatest ever, and they fired their best reporter, Ken Rosenthal, because he dared to write something critical of the idiot commissioner, Robert Manfred. And Mr. Reneg on the offer, Petiti, he really got his. Three years later, he was promoted to deputy commissioner of baseball, but that new commissioner, Manfred, squeezed him out. And he had to go work as the president of some e-sports company in 2020. And then they offed him a year later. And I have not heard anything about Tony Petiti since. Literally. It's been absolute silence. Not a single spoken word. And why does that sound so familiar? To the larger point, how many people have tried to get me fired? I gotta make a list. This may take weeks. It's gotta be at least 20. In addition to that baseball owner, Jackie Autry, one guy I worked with, a sportscaster, tried to get me fired at ESPN and then tried to get me fired at Fox. 
Countdown has come to you from the studios of Alderman Broadcasting Empire World Headquarters in the Sports Capsule Building in New York. Thank you for listening. Here are the credits. Most of the music, including our theme from Beethoven's Ninth, was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel. They are the Countdown musical directors. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments from Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was Tony Kornheiser. Everything else is pretty much my fault. So that's countdown for this, the 765th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him now while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow. And until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. And good morning, good afternoon. What was that name again? Olbermann. I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. And this is the reason you should listen to the end of the podcast every day. Good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.